0: I was uh, reading this article not too long ago. Um, it's interesting. It was written by this. I guess he was. A, I think he was a psychologist, and uh, he talked a little bit in this article about um, his life before he became a psychologist. Some of the jobs that he worked, and uh, one of them, he was a uh, a wedding planner, and he told uh, a couple of wedding. Planner stories uh, in this article. This was one of them. Um, he was working a wedding one day and uh, he shows up at the church and at the last minute he finds out that there's a the church has scheduled a, a funeral for the same time as the wedding. So it was just a mix-up somewhere along the way with the office I guess. Um, so now you've got there's a group of people going in to the funeral and you've got maybe a hundred wedding guests that are arriving at the same time. So he's gotta figure out like, what am I gonna do? Like for the next hour, because the, the, wedding, uh, the funeral was just beginning. So he's just like, what, what do I, there's a disaster. Um, down the block in the distance, he can see a ice cream truck, like a good humor truck. He runs down to this guy and he says, uh, I'll give you $500 if you bring the truck up next to the church and you just park it by the church for the next hour. And he said, uh, give the guests whatever they want. Um, you give me the bill at the end and I'll, I'll pay you. So I'll give you 500 bucks just to stay there and then I'll, I'll pay for the ice cream. You give these people, well, this guy was like, Absolutely, 500 bucks for an hour. Like, he wasn't going to make that driving around. So uh, he pulls the truck up, and it, it all happens. And the guests thought that this was part of the plan. Like, they thought this was just part of one detail on this wedding day. They didn't know about, well, they saw the funeral, I guess, but they just thought they completely went with it. And uh, they loved it. Apparently, they were all raving about. Oh man, this was so cool to have this little thing right before. Uh, and they said that, like he said, like nobody really knew that it was a mishap, or they certainly didn't act like it was a problem. Uh, it was such a hit that the wedding planner says to the ice cream guy afterwards, uh, "If you'd like, uh, we could do this again. Like future weddings, I'll I'll factor this into my you know wedding package." And I'll give you—I don't know if he gave him 500 or whatever—but uh, anyway, the guy said, "Yeah, I'll do it." And they both agreed, and they both made a lot of money with this this idea, which was born out of a mistake, like this mix-up. And from that, anyway, this this little uh, business deal happens, and that was kind of the the purpose of the article. Um, this. Guy who eventually became a psychologist He he basically wanted to, He writes about crisis And kind of like how you deal With crisis in your life um, When you f- When you face a crisis What do you do with it And like what does it do To, do to you um, Do you let it Paralyze you Do you let it sort of ruin you, or do you find a way of seeing it as a new opportunity? And that's what he was encouraging. The second, don't be ruined by crisis. See it as sort of a completely unplanned, unforeseen opportunity. He says, really, he says this: you know, behind every crisis, there's a door of potential. Do you open that door or do you slam it shut? This guy's clearly in this article saying: if you're somebody who tends to just slam the potential door shut, you ought to reframe how you see crisis. He's like, Don't celebrate crisis. Don't go looking for a crisis. I'd be crazy. But when it comes, and it's inevitable, it does happen, right, in the course of life, more than once in a while, look for the opportunity. Say to yourself, like, how maybe can something actually good come from this sort of objectively bad thing? I was watching this... uh, Part of this uh, documentary not too long ago was um, on World War II. It was probably on the History Channel. And they were talking about things that happened as a result of the war, specific stuff like these advances in science, technology, medicine, like stuff that happened, good things that happened, absolutely as a result of the war. They spent a lot of time talking about um, Essentially, they said the computer was born out of World War II um, and I didn't understand a lot of what they were talking about but basically they, uh, they needed to invent this device to intercept the German radio communications and if they could intercept them then we found out where they were going and what they were doing and we you know, beat them to it. And they had to invent what was really like the, the early computer in order to make it happen. The British did, and they did. Now all of these things would have happened eventually, but they're saying just because of the war, it had to happen like yesterday, and we did it. Like good things that come from something as awful as war. There's a quote from Plato, the philosopher, and he says, Necessity is the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. Like, in other words, I think, when you need something, like when you really, seriously need something, like winning a war, we're usually at our best. Because you just got to be creative. Like, we got to figure this out. We've got to make this work. We're not happy about it. We didn't ask for it. We're probably scared to death over it, but none of that can get in the way of cracking the code, like whatever it is we need to do. So we invent things when we need to, when we desperately need to. I think in a way, some of that idea, which was really, I took all of that from this article, you also see in this gospel this morning. I love this gospel. Um, We all know it. I LOVE THE EXCHANGE BETWEEN MARY AND JESUS, BETWEEN THIS MOTHER AND SON. THEY ARE AT THE WEDDING, THEY ARE AT THE PARTY AFTER, THEY ARE AT THE RECEPTION. AND WE KNOW THAT THEY HAVE RUN OUT OF WATER, I MEAN THEY HAVE RUN OUT OF WINE. CRISIS. MARY, WE DON'T KNOW WHY MARY SAW IT ALL HAPPEN. MAYBE SOMEBODY CAME UP TO HER. MAYBE SHE WAS JUST VERY, PARTICULARLY, NO SURPRISE HERE, BUT VERY AWARE AND SENSITIVE. It's sort of like the humiliation that this family would be experiencing if they, in fact, had no wine left in the middle of a party. So she goes to Jesus and says, hey, they ran out of wine. In his response, he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't help you, Mom. Like, I, I can't, this is too early. This is way too soon. I guess Mary must have known She must have known at that point what Jesus was capable of. Why is she running to him to to find wine when they've run out? Well, maybe she knew what was possible. But Jesus is like, I can't help you. But then her response, I love, she's like, she seems to ignore the no. They got no wine. I can't help you. And the next thing she says is, she's talking to the waiters. And she says, guys, what... DO WHATEVER HE TELLS YOU." AND and, and SHE POINTS TO JESUS. AND THEY DO. AND THE MIRACLE HAPPENS. AND THAT WASN'T PART OF THE PLAN. WE KNOW IT WASN'T, BECAUSE JESUS KIND OF SAID NO. MORE SPECIFICALLY, HE SAYS, MY HOUR HAS NOT YET COME. LIKE, IT'S TOO SOON FOR ME TO BE PUBLIC ABOUT THIS STUFF. BUT HE HAD had A CALL IN Audible. IT'S LIKE A QUARTERBACK. Coming out of the huddle, he walks up to the, to the line, he's looking at the defense facing him, he realizes, the play that we've got planned, we're gonna get crushed. They're, on, they're, they're, they're ahead of us, they got it. So in that moment, it's like, boom, I gotta, I gotta change plans, and I gotta make this work. And Jesus sort of seemingly calls it audible. It's like, all right, I wasn't planning on becoming public about this yet, but I guess I'm gonna have to now. I gotta make this work. AND THIS MIRACLE HAPPENS. AND IT'S SO MUCH MORE THAN, YEAH, uh, WATER BECAME WINE, as, AS KIND OF UNBELIEVABLE AS THAT IS, YOU HAD ALL THESE WITNESSES, PEOPLE WHO WERE LIKE, WHO IS THIS? LOOK AT WHAT HE JUST DID. LOOK AT WHAT JUST HAPPENED. I MEAN, THOSE PEOPLE WOULD LEAVE THAT WEDDING AND NEVER BE THE SAME, I'M SURE. IT SAYS, His glory was revealed, and they began to believe in Him. Yeah, well, no kidding. If you witnessed that, His glory was revealed, and people did begin to believe. Minutes before, it was a disaster. It was a crisis. They've run out of wine at a wedding. I don't know about your family. I don't know about you guys, but my family, if we ran out of wine, bloodshed. It would have been a disaster. SHOTS WOULD BE FIRED SOMEHOW. <laughs> BUT THEN THE CRISIS BECOMES THIS OPPORTUNITY. Look, what, LOOK WHAT'S BORN OUT OF THIS CRISIS. HIS GLORY WAS REVEALED AND THEY BEGAN TO BELIEVE IN HIM. SO I MEAN, HERE'S THE QUESTION. WHEN WE'RE HIT IN THE FACE WITH A CRISIS, DOES IT PARALYZE YOU? Or does it create an opportunity for you? Well, it probably does both, right? Certain times in our life, probably we didn't react well to a crisis. Maybe we, you know, we uh, we we kind of became paralyzed. We, you know, we we sh- we shrank. We ran away. We weren't at our best. And then probably other times we totally stepped up to the moment. We had to, scared to death, but it was like, hey, I gotta make this work. I got I got kids to feed. I got a mortgage to pay. Like, this has got to work. And we rose to the occasion. You know, on our our good days, we we rise to the occasion. And on our not-so-good days, you know, we wish they never happened. What do you do when the crisis hits? I got a priest friend of mine. He was telling me about this uh, parishioner of his who uh, he knows pretty well pretty active guy and he uh, his son was killed on 9-11 20 years ago and uh, he had a next door on a a neighbor I guess across the street who they were at war with just like nightmare bad neighbor kind of dynamic I don't even remember the details but like it went on it was epic went on forever they just kind of hated each other these two families So much so that, like, for the last 10 years, they wouldn't even acknowledge each other. Anyway, the guy across the street, his grandson died on the same day. So this was September, you know, uh, 13th, say, two, three, or four days after, when we were all beginning to realize, like, the the scope of this, and, like, these people weren't going to be rescued. They might not even be found, and just the horror of it. And this guy said that he went out of his house. You know, people were in and out, family, friends. And he said, uh, this is the parishioner, the guy my, my friend knows, and he said he just, he went out just to stand on the stoop and get a little bit of air. And he said the guy across the street was sitting on his stoop. And at this point, they both knew about their mutual loss, but they hadn't talked to each other about it. Just people told both of them. And he said that uh, they he came out and they kind of met eyes across the street. But he said in the past, as soon as like that wouldn't even happen. Like they just would they'd go they wouldn't look at each other. And he said in this moment, the guy across the street kind of stayed a little stared at him a little bit longer and he did this he just kind of like waved and then this guy responded um, they never said a word um, but he just said that like in that moment there was this healing um, you know and I didn't you know I don't I got the sense they didn't become you know best buddies and but, like that craziness stopped sort of like perspective took, took a role in the moment. Like, wait a minute, this is, this is insane the way we treat each other or ignore each other. And, and it sounded like there was probably decent reason for, the, for the, the distancing. Hey, sometimes when you got like a lunatic neighbor, you just gotta be like, all right, I can't, I just can't, we can't talk to each other. It's just, it, it's the only way to kind of deal with it. I get it sometimes, but that's still unfortunate, isn't it? Like it's not the way it's supposed to be. Like, is it possible to have a better relationship here? It's like, you know what, I think it's like symbolically, it's like the, when the wine runs out in a relationship and it gets so bad that we won't even look at each other when we see each other. And it took this mutual common tragedy to sort of melt that. I mean, better late than never, right? But I think the similar things happen within, in, in more important relationships like marriages, You know, where people are, you know, they're they're still married, but it's like, just about. Like, there's just, nobody's making the effort anymore toward the other. You know, maybe the kids are out of the house, and, you know, they sleep in the same bed, but it's like they're almost kind of like strangers. It's like, wait a minute, this, yeah, we're running, we ran out of wine here. Like, this is not the way we used to be. We used to be better together. Friendships. I don't know things that we're committed to, that we're passionate about. You know, why did I used to be on fire about some cause or some principle, and I've just kind of, kind of gotten jaded and sort of beat up and discouraged? Well, maybe I know the reasons why. The, uh, you can point to it, but it's made me less. Like I've, I've let the wine run out. Maybe if we catch it, then we refill it. I mean, sometimes, I don't know, maybe the wine has to run out. Maybe sometimes it should run out. Because if it doesn't, then we never get to taste the good stuff.